Invesco QQQ believes new innovations create new opportunities. Here's to greater possibilities together. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Listen to me. There's no such thing as the stock market. Not the way most people talk about it. Instead, you got a market of stocks. And that's an important distinction, particularly in Kramerica, because stocks are like snowflakes. No two are the same. You bundle all them up, but maybe they shouldn't be. Sure, everybody loves index funds as a low-cost way to get exposure to the whole asset class. I'm one of them. I plead guilty. I love them. The indices try to capture the totality of the market, including today, where the Dow and S&P both notched new all-time highs, former vault of 119 points. S&P gained 0.15%. NASDAQ dipped 0.19% as the rotation continues. But I think the totality is a lot less illuminating than looking at individual companies and what actually drives them. For example, just last week, we did a two-part interview from the New York Stock Exchange with Boeing CEO Dennis Mullenberg, where he told us that his company's having an extraordinary year. I mean, maybe he told us in like seven or eight different ways. I mean, it's spewing cash. And he made it pretty clear that this is the healthiest Boeing's ever been. So he wants to reward you, the shareholder. House of pleasure. Sure enough, today, Boeing boosted its dividend by 20%. They've been doing that for four years. And they announced a gigantic $18 billion buyback. The stock surged on the news. And I got to tell you, if you watched, if you watched the interview, it was totally gettable. Mullenberg isn't some static CEO. He comes on air. He says, things are fabulous. And then he rewards you. Isn't that great? Or take Walt Disney. All right, this stock's done next to nothing this year to date. But lately it has been rallying. Why? Because Disney's trying to buy Fox's best assets. David Faber, my partner, says it's going to be done Thursday. And one of those assets is his regional sports network. They got the movie studio and don't forget the film library. They get Avatar, my wife's favorite movie. And they get the rest of the Marvel characters. Why do we care? Because it changes the narrative. That's why we care. Before we heard about this deal, all the analysts seemed to care about was the endless story about the cord cutting. And the loss of ESPN subscribers. Now, it doesn't matter that Disney's theme parks are on fire, especially the one in China. Whole division being boosted by all that terrific technology you can buy at the parks. It doesn't matter that Disney has a one hit after another, after another at the box office. Or that they're about to make a fortune from the new Star Wars movie, which I will go to opening night, I don't know about you. Or that whole Marvel franchise, it's such a winner including some of that stuff on Netflix. It doesn't matter that CEO Bob Iger's done an amazing job with one of the greatest strengths being how he has done 
transformative deal after transformative deal after transformative deal, and they've all been fantastic. It doesn't even matter that Disney got BAM tech on the cheap, and it's ideal platform to watch regional sports. All that's mattered to the stock is that darn ESPN falloff, which may not even be that bad when you count the people watching on their phones and computers. I mean, I watched myself lose on fantasy last night. I mean, that's, you know, I did. I watched it, right. It's beaten by Kareem. Anyway, however, if CEO Iger buys these Fox assets, even as he has to pay close to $30 billion to get them, it's a fabulous move. Because overnight, the story changes. Who wouldn't want shares in the ultimate entertainment powerhouse with a hammerlock on all regional sports that can be watched anywhere? Who wouldn't want to own all of Marvel or Avatar, which will be a big annuity stream and a fabulous new attraction to theme parks that gets you back even though you haven't been, you, you've been there five times or six times? I've been there ten times. Has anyone been there more than me? No. ESPN sub-losses don't become an asterisk. They'll still be there with the Fox acquisition, but they won't dominate the conversation or the conference calls anymore. I say amen, as this is one of the first stocks I recommended when we started the show a dozen years ago, and I have stuck with it all the way. I know Disney's been buying back shares like mad. It hasn't done much. But spending on new content that can be so additive to earnings and so easily swallowed, holy cow, what a windfall. After the deal on Thursday, people will be buying this stock hand over fist. And if they're not, they're wrong. Bye, bye, bye. How about a feel-good story now? I just gave you a couple of others. Listen to this. The drug stocks, we know they've been down the dumps because this is exactly the kind of slow but steady group that investors swap out of during an economic expansion. There was a little buy in there today. There's one drug name, though. It's hitting high after high after high, and it's not J&J. It's actually not at all like J&J. The stock? Valiant! Yep, the once disgraced Valiant that Joe Papa took over a little more than a year ago. This $21 stock was at eight smackers back in April. Why? Because investors were worried about the company's hideous balance sheet. They were worried about its viability. Now, I had been highly critical of Valiant under its previous CEO. But if you recall, Joe came on the show right here, right about here, okay? Yeah, you know, you know kind of like here. And he told us that before he did anything big, he was going to fix that darn balance sheet and refinance all the near-term debt that everyone was so worried and scared about that all people cared about. Now, I'm sure many of you rolled your eyes. How do you do that? There, rolled their eyes about the notion that Papa could clean up this, this love canal of debt. That's exactly what happened. Pop, it was like the Gowanus, which has like these weird bubbles. Papa saved this company, and now he's taking it to levels that seemed impossible six months ago. The stock alone jumped 6.4% just today. Well, not only is every company unique, but many companies are constantly changing. Today, one of my heroes, Inga Tulin, which is T-H-U-L-I, and a lot of people say fooling because they're dumb. He's the CEO of 3M. He put on an incredibly positive show where he made it clear that the estimates are too low, so the analysts will have to raise numbers tomorrow when they get home. Inga's not standing still. He's improving 3M's margins, introducing new products to compete in OLED displays, all sorts of devices for electric cars. Okay. Okay, sure, the stock's up 33% for the year. It's a big cap stock, but I think it deserves to be even higher. The modest pullback today, I believe, will be a gift for those with a long-term perspective. Then there's Caterpillar. 
Many people wrote off CAD a long time ago. They said it was hostage to China, that it made a horrible acquisition in the coal mining business, that it lost its way. I can show you downgrades at 60. But CEO Jim Uppleby, and yes, his predecessor, Doug Oberhelming, can we give him a little credit, please? They took radical action, laying off a huge number of people, closing plants, and fixing what was really an unruly dealer network. The result? Now that the global economy is rebounding, cat stock is up nearly 55% for the year. And I bet it's got a lot more room to run, as you will hear later in the show. All right, sure, Oberhelman made a share of mistakes. Who hasn't? I have. But when things got tough and the conventional wisdom said the company was in trouble, management put the company back on solid footing. Cats now doubled from when things were at their most dire early last year. And the analysts fled in mass. They were wrong. What else? Okay, we know the food cohort is facing major difficulties. These stocks are despised, trading near their 52-week lows in many cases because the companies keep missing number after missing number after missing number after missing number. And then there's PepsiCo. PepsiCo. Two bucks away from its all-time high. You think that's random? You think it's some sort of, like, oddity? No way. I think it's CEO Ingenui. She never sits still. Same goes, by the way, for Steve Easterbrook at Mickey D's. Do you know he came in 73 points ago and he's been crushing it ever since? Do you think it's just random that that happened? Like, wow, let's have a couple of burgers, fries, and a Diet Coke? No, it's Easterbrook. And that's really my point. People who look at this market and worry about taxes or the Russian investigation or North Korea or a host of big picture problems, the Fed, whatever, and you can throw in whatever you want, simply don't realize that we do have some phenomenal phenomenal value creators all over the place who don't get up in the morning and are scared to look at their mirror shadow. One more example. We were told that the athleisure segment was on its last legs. I can show you that. Then there was roadkill. Then Lululemon, which is also Lululemon, would confirm the negativity when it reports. I guess CEO Laurent Potevin, which is P-O-T-D-E-V-I-N. Potevin. 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 Yeah, get rid of that T. Didn't get the memo because the numbers were terrific and the stock climbed to a new 52-week high. How do you do it? I'd say it's one part ingenuity, one part mindfulness, and one part being in the present. That yoga talking may sound silly to you, but I don't care. The people who take it seriously are laughing all the way to the back. Stay in the present, will you? Anyway, that's why you need to take companies on a case-by-case basis. Sectors that are being shelled still contain winners. Sectors that are roaring contain mega winners. But when you only look at stocks in a basket, all these incredible value creators are offset by the many dunderheads in the business world and the chowderheads. You know who I mean, the mountbox, the, the phonies. Well, I mean, that's what you get when you buy the averages. So the bottom line, management matters. When you've got a fabulous CEO working for you every day of the week and the weekend, for that matter, it makes a difference, often a big difference. And that's why you need to judge companies on their own merits rather than just taking your cue from the amorphous blob that is the market and doesn't distinguish for one second all the amazing work these CEOs do for you, the shareholder. (sighs) Let me get my breath. Wow. Just a sec. I'm getting mindful. All right, I feel better already. Sal in New York. Sal! Hey, Jim. Booyah. Booyah. Sorry to hear about Carson's injury. Hopefully, Foles can step up for the Eagles. Well, you know, I was very sad. I was, I was watching with my wife, and I said, it's ACL, it's ACL, it's ACL. He's in the tent, it's ACL. And I was right. And I just wish him the best of luck. But we also missed the best of luck, and I was upset when they tri- – never mind. What's going on? 
I'll sleep, but they make it to the Super Bowl. I'm calling about uh, biotelemetry, ticker BEAT. I have about 70 shares at about $30. Right. With the recent uh, Apple deal to provide cardiac monitoring for their study, in addition to tax reform, should I stay long and add to my position or hold it? I think you're okay. Um, you know... You know, I actually had high hopes for this company. Why? Because it's from Conshohocken, which is about two minutes from where I live uh, when I grew up in Philadelphia. But I do think that it's real. I think that the monitoring, the algorithm monitoring is right. I'd stay along it. You know what? I got to go to Ron in Pennsylvania right now. Ron. Hello, Jim. Booyah. I wanted to tell you, it's a, I'm a longtime fan and a third-time caller. And I have a two-part question for you. I liked your article this morning about electric cars and how they'll increase demand for power. First part is, won't this also create more demand for fossil fuels, since that's still the primary source for power? And the second part is, my biggest holding is enterprise products, which I've owned a long time and made lots on dividend reinvest. Their conference calls always seem good to me, and I like their management team. If fossil fuel demand is going up, Shouldn't that also help enterprise products? Yes, absolutely. Unfortunately, it's, it's stuck in a basket with, ener- with energy transfer partners, which is like one of the worst companies in the world, but it controls the basket. EPD is the real deal. They're great. I want you to stay in it. It's terrific. And these, this group, despite ETP, is finally starting to move. All right. There are no givens in any industry. But when you look at stocks, there's one sure thing. The person at the helm controls, and you have some fabulous people working every day for you. Oh, man, money tonight. VMware recently reported a quarter that was a thing of beauty, but the stock hardly reacted. Could the industry-wide tech sell-off create a buying opportunity, or is there more pain ahead as everybody buys the sick-lock calls? Then the word industrial may make you yawn, not me. But I'll tell you why the group could be the most exciting sector in the portfolio going into 2018. And could a new year bring news hacks in, in cryptocurrencies? I'm going to sit down with private cybersecurity player McAfee, find out if it could be cause for concern. I suggest you stick with a very mindful Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Every now and then, I think the market makes such a colossal misjudgment, and all you can do is treat it as a fabulous buying opportunity. Consider the case of VMware. It's a company that gets its start as a maker of virtualization software. Don't worry, I'm going to explain that to you. Letting you run multiple virtual machines on a single server and has now become an important cloud infrastructure play. On just last night of November, VMware reported an amazing quarter. The company blew away the estimates, gave you better-than-expected guidance, yet the stock is trading about where it was before the quarter. Why? Because these guys had the misfortune of reporting right before the big indiscriminate tech sell-off. People suddenly wanted out of all things cloud, including VMware, even though it's just giving you stellar numbers. Now, the, the sell-off's over. We had a little bit today, but the market's getting more rational. Could this be the time to buy? Let's take a closer look with Sanjay Poonin. He's the chief operating officer of VMware. Learn more about how his company's doing, where it's headed. Mr. Poonin, welcome. 
Welcome back to Mad Money. Good Gentlemen, to see you, Sanjay. Pleasure. How are you been? Good to okay. see you. Let me first say happy holidays to you and your viewers. Insane. Thank you so much. Okay. People are aware that without your company, you really can't figure out how to get from here to the data center. And there are other people who actually believe that the data center is slowing. So could you set us straight, please? We'd be happy to. Okay. And we'll get to mobile devices in a second. Okay. But let me give you the way in which you can very simply understand the data center. I'll use okay. a metaphor. It's like baking a cake. And okay. when you bake a cake, you've got flour, eggs, sugar, maybe some icing. A data center is made up of four core elements. Compute, storage, networking, and a layer of management. Okay. And we've pioneered that. We call that the software-defined data center. Now, when you take that into the cloud, it's a lot more, uh, not as easy because you have built applications on top of that. And rewriting those applications are not very you know, easy. In some right. cases, if it's a new app that's built cloud native, you can do that. We help those applications very nicely and seamlessly uh, move over, which is why we built this partnership with Amazon. Okay, so a lot of people felt when you go through the research, almost everyone to a T felt that Amazon was out to destroy you, that they were the Death Star like they have to retail. And then you hugged it out. How is that possible? So this was kind of like I described a Berlin Wall moment where you had Gorbachev and Reagan coming together and everyone said, oh my gosh, it's good for world peace. <laughs> it's the same way for customers. Right. We do what's right for customers. Okay. What customers wanted us to get the best of both worlds, it shouldn't be a choice between the private cloud where VMware was king and the public cloud where AWS is the leader. We want the best of both worlds. So now you could imagine a, an application built on top of that cloud foundation, right. compute storage networking, being able to seamlessly take a bridge right into AWS and like we talked in our last show, expand or contract the data center elastically. This is what we brilliantly innovated with them. Okay, so expand elastically to my devices, no matter what device? That's another interesting part of our okay. business. So I've got here a phone, my Android phone, uh, my iPad Pro, you've got your iPhone there, and a wonderful Dell Windows right. 10 laptop. This is the world we live in. Why? Because people want to work at the speed of life. You right. start off at home, you've got a phone. You might be then on a tablet. When you get to work, you have a laptop. And typically the world today is Apple, Google and Microsoft 10 right. devices. We're the only company that can manage and secure and deploy apps, whether it's coming from the data center or in the cloud, securely on these devices. That's our end user computing business, a business that's gone very well for us, and we had a good quarter also in Q3. We had an amazing business. quarter. Okay, so now, I am a retailer, all right? I know that I gotta compete against Amazon, but I also need Amazon Web Services because it's considered to be one of the best. I call you and I say, okay, I gotta be on the cloud, all right? And what do you do for them? So, like we've always said to a customer, you pick the public cloud that you want. We're okay. not going to come in here and tell you which is the right one. You make that choice. But once you've made that choice, we can help you optimize your data center. Because the private cloud non-premise isn't going away. Right. So with our partners like Dell and EMC, we allow you to make that software-driven data center even more efficient. But as you think about the cloud, whether it's AWS or other clouds that you're using, we can help you build that bridge there. And then invariably, every one of the retailers now are modernizing the store with these devices. Right. Because right. these phones become a lot easier than these old ruggedized devices that were the way in which people worked in the past. Right. They're fitting them with iPads or with you know, Android devices. Uh, and this is the future of how we think we can make the entire world have any app on any device. Okay, because your connection, we explained the ownership with, uh, with EMC and Dell, uh, I might say, look, I'm HP. How can they help me? Amazing question. In fact, at VMworld, we announced a partnership with HP. Now, two of the biggest three manufacturers, Dell and HP, are betting on VMware, AirWatch, and Workspace ONE 
to manage their devices as a service because we're the best technology. And the fact of the matter is that, you know, any company, whether it's HP, whether it's Dell, whether it's Apple, whether it's Samsung, we exist VMware because we're a Switzerland type of company. We have no agenda. We're not in the device business. We're not in the hardware business. We're not in a particular public cloud. And we can serve the best interest of any company, depending on their cloud, on their hardware, or their devices. Well, but wait a sec. I mean, let's say I'm, I, I've got all my information here. Why? And someone hacks me. I mean, why am I secure? So in the old days, okay, and you have Chris Young coming on later on from McAfee. Oh, Actually, no. he's an ex-VMware yeah. guy. <laughs> All good talent starts at VMware. <laughs> I, I, but, I, 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 Diane Green. You know, so we know a thing or two about all of these things because yeah, it typically is a security or a virtualization type of problem. In the old days, you used things like antivirus. In the world of mobile, it's a new technology called unified endpoint management, where VMware is now the leader. We acquired a company four years ago called, called AirWatch. And that applies now as a very simple way to be able to manage and secure these in the cloud. And we do this better than anybody else. Well, you know, I, I've got to tell you, we are in a moment where tech is going down. But you know I have said VMware is the way that if you want to play this whole trend, it's got to be you. It's like the Eagles. Oh, oh thank you so much. That's Sanjay Putin, COO of VMware, BMW. Right now, tech's taking a header. That's your opportunity. Man, money's back after the break. Look at my tape, all these different stocks that are going down and tech and stuff, but the one area that keeps climbing, the industrials. I got to ask myself, how much longer can this go on? As we get closer and closer to the end of a truly amazing year, with the Dow Jones Industrial Average again hitting a new all-time high yet again, I, I, I think it's worth asking, which red-hot groups will have the staying power once 2018 rolls around? And as far as hot sectors go, I mean, nothing has been as hot as the industrials, powered by tremendous economic growth both here, here and overseas. Just when you thought this group might be running out of steam, now we start hearing about the president's trillion-dollar infrastructure package. And many of these industrials got another, another move up, a second win. Frankly, I have a hard time believing that this Congress will spend serious money on infrastructure, especially after all the deficit ragging we've seen with the tax bill. Then again, I was skeptical about tax reform, too, and looks like that's going to happen. But regardless of Washington, the industrials have been one of the main pillars of this bull market, particularly those involved in aerospace, materials, and construction. And these rallies have been magnificent. There's very few stocks, by the way, even in this group. And you almost never get a meaningful pullback in the industrials. How long can it run? How can it last? Is it getting a little long in the tooth? Or are we still in the early innings? So it could be a mega multi-year move. We got to get a better read on the industrials, which is why we are going off the charts with the help of Bob Lang, who's been right about a lot of stuff. He's the founder of ExplosiveOptions.net, as well as being a brilliant technician. And he is the, the star of the three. Well, the other guys will feel better now. He's one of the stars of the three-man all-star team behind the Street.com Trifecta Stocks newsletter. So let's take a closer look at the action, some of the hottest industrials around. And we're going to start. Whoa! What a smoke show. Whew. I mean, to me, that's hot. I mean, you're allowed to do that. You know, you're allowed to still say it. it's like this is the last bastion of being able to say that something's hot. We can. Right. I mean, you know, who else, you're not going to say it about anything, but you can still say it about a chart. And this is hot. I mentioned this one at the top of the show. Um, it, it, this is the best of breed maker of gigantic earth moving machinery. OK, you can't intimidate it. You can't harass it with a stock that's up 55 percent since the beginning of the year. Caterpillar. As far as Lang's concerned, this chart is the thing. It's pulchritude. 
okay, which is like beauty in the SAT. Caterpillar is currently within spitting distance of its all-time highs set earlier this month. But lots of stocks have been making records lately. What else does Cat give you? First, Lang likes the fact that the stock has been rallying hard on superb volume trends. Okay, remember for these chart readers, volume is like a polygraph. It can tell you when the move is honest, when a move is misleading you. In Cat's case, the stock's been roaring on higher volume. That's what he's uh, suggesting there. Uh, and, and even better, earlier this month, Caterpillar's moving average convergence divergence, or MACD, an indicator that helps a tool that helps technicians detect changes in the stock's trajectory before, not after, not during, but before they happen, it made a bullish crossover. And that's this. You see that? The black over the red? That's, uh, that, that's a pretty reliable single. Uh, signal. On top of that, Lang notes that for months now, Cat has consistently found a floor of support on its 20-day moving average, which is at 139 right now, down four from where the stock's currently trading. Put it all together, and this chart's got a lot going for it. Lang says Caterpillar is his favorite name in the group, and this combination of positives makes him think the stock could take a run at 155 or even 160 earlier in the new year, which would put it like right about here or here if there was a straighter. We call it the straighter. That's kind of TV talk. All right, how about one that's a little less obvious? Let's take a gander at the daily chart of Emerson Electric, okay? All right, not as pretty, all right? You can make those comparisons, too, when it comes to charts. It's also legal. And this is a kind of industrial, uh, total smokestack company, but we don't have, you know, it's very much about automation. What the story behind this one, though, is this V-shaped bottom where Emerson plummeted over the course of a few weeks and then bounced right back. Remember, these were the guys who were trying to acquire, at, it seemed like any price, Rockwell Automation. Rockwell kept saying no. Emerson would up its bid, caused this deal. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. Finally, they gave up on the deal. Instead, they embraced a big buyback, and since then, the stock's been roaring. Now, Lang says the V-shaped uh, bottom pattern tends to be quite bullish. He could see this stock go to 66 and then potentially uh, uh, take a run at 75 in the not-too-distant future. While Emerson's already racked up a 13% gain since mid-November, he thinks the stock's not done. He thinks he's got more room to run. Just like Caterpillar, the volume trends here are very solid. Okay, here we take a look at the volume. See, it, it's up a lot. Just like Caterpillar, the MACD, see this? Moving average versus divergence made a bullish crossover. On top of that, let's go all shaking here. The shaking money flow oscillator, which measures the level of buying or selling pressure in the stock. He's from Philadelphia. He's a huge Eagle fan, shaking. I checked in with him. This just went positive, okay? Suggesting that big institutional players are circling back to Emerson now that the company's contentious attempt to buy Rockwell Automation is done. At the moment, the stock's trading again at 66. Lang says he'd love to buy it on a pullback to 63 where Emerson has the support of the 50-day moving average. See right there? Uh, but who knows if you'll get that kind of decline. These stocks aren't coming in. You had that great opportunity. But who knew that they were going to walk away? That's why it was so hard. All right, now, next chart is, I wish he liked this one more than he liked Cap because it's the daily chart of Honeywell. The diversified industrial with huge aerospace exposure and a terrific breakup story. Here's a stock that had a very strong move in November on high volume. Look at this volume, will you? But in the past couple of weeks, it seems to have run out of gas. That's what people are saying. They're saying the tank is getting empty like it's a 31-year-old running back or something. Is this merely a pause that refreshes or have you missed the move? Lang thinks that Honeywell might be a bit overheated here. 
but there are a couple of important positives. One is the stock pulled back. It did so on lower volume. That's a really cool thing. Suggesting the big institutions really aren't selling at all. Two, the stock has been uh, holding above the floor support. This time we're looking at the floor support as the 10-day moving average. Put it all together, and as far as Lang's concerned, Honeywell just needs to recharge. It's recharging here, okay? He could potentially see this $153 stock running up to $170 near the beginning of the new year, which would be stupendous. Remember, Honeywell is splitting. And you're going to get aerospace, you get the rest of the stuff, and that is going to drive the stock to 170. Charitable Trust, uh, ActionLearnsPlus.com, I told the club this may be the one. But it's got to pull back first. Hey, speaking of industrials with aerospace exposure, let's not forget UTX. Remember Greg Hayes? Tried to uh, almost get bought by Honeywell? Take a look at this chart. This is a stock that keeps making new highs. Remember, we came out here and said, we you stop it already with the decline? 109. Yeah, right here. We were really right. And then we reiterated. Okay. Anyway, uh, now, last month, the MACD indicator made a bullish crossover. There we go. And since then, UTX has roared higher. Lang thinks this is a very powerful trend. He sees the $123 stock possibly going to the 130s before too long. Although, ideally, he recommends waiting for a pullback to 120 where UTX has a nice floor of support. But like with the others, I don't know if you're going to get the decline. These stocks are so hot. They may be bought right into the end of the year. Let me give you the bottom line on these. It's a good time to be an industrial company. And the charts, as interpreted by Bob Lang, suggests the industrial stocks are going to continue to have a good time right into year end. He likes Caterpillar. He likes Emerson Electric, Honeywell, United Technologies. And I, I, I got to say, I agree with him. All we can do is hope that these stocks come in and give us better prices as part of some sort of market-wide sell-off that has nothing to do with their businesses. Why? Because their businesses are red hot. We're going to Michael in New York. Michael. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Uh, my stock is Johnson Control. Uh, I have a pretty sizable position. Uh, I'm down about 5%. And I've done my homework. Uh, they're buying back shares. They're increasing dividends. And uh, I feel like it's very uh, well poised for the men's. But recently, it's been downgraded. What do you think, Jim? You know, when Goldman took this thing to a sell... I said, wow, they've really decided this thing has no momentum versus some of the others. And I do prefer the others. I really think you should be thinking about Honeywell or Caterpillar. But you've got the position. I'm not going to tell you to sell it here. I am going to say that Johnson Controls does not have uh, a yield that can support yet at 2.7. And while it's cheap at 13 times earnings, it's not cheap enough given the lack of earnings momentum. So it's not one of my favorites. I'm going to Bill in Minnesota. Bill. Jim Booyah from the great state of Minnesota. Yeah, it is pretty great. What's going on? Uh, First-time caller, thank you for all you do for the individual investor. Uh, My stock is D.R. Horton Incorporated, D-H-I. I took a position back in March. As of close today, it's up 51%. My question is... Uh, should I sell or stay long? Okay, I read a, a Wedbush piece today which said that it's time to, well, they went buy to hold. And I looked, I said, what's the matter with the stock? There's nothing the matter with, but bulls make money, bears make money, hogs. I think you got to take some off the table. This is a home builder. It shouldn't be up this much classically into a rate cycle. Like, in other words, this is one that I think they're going to sell on Thursday. All right. It is a great time to be in the industrials. I like Caterpillar, Emerson, Honeywell, and United Technologies, but I do need better entry points as per Bob Lang. 
Man Money tonight. The past year has seen some of the largest data breaches in recent history. But how could 2018 stack up? I'm going to sit down with the CEO of a company you've all heard of, McAfee, to find out what's going to te- what he's looking at for the new year. Then, what does the action in this market have to do with the time I lived in my car? More than you might think. I'm going to explain. And all your calls, round five. Tonight's decision, the lightning round. So stick with Kramer. Always on the hunt for powerful long-term themes with real staying power. And unfortunately, few themes seem to have more staying power than cybersecurity. One side effect of the massive growth in the cloud and the data center space is there's tons of information out there just waiting to be hacked. And as we know from the Equifax drama, if companies don't stay on top of this stuff, cyber thieves can get their hands on all sorts of data. This cybersecurity trend is so powerful that tonight I want to talk to a privately held company in order to get some more insight into the industry. I'm talking about McAfee, one of the most recognizable names in cybersecurity, which was acquired by Intel in 2011. Then last year, Intel sold a majority stake to TPG, a private equity firm, which brings us to the McAfee of today. So let's dig deeper with Chris Young, the CEO of McAfee, get a better sense of cyber threats, where this industry is headed. Mr. Young, welcome to Mad Money. Great to have you. All right. How are you? Have a seat. Thanks. All right. Now, I've come to believe from the headlines that nobody's safe and that nothing can be stopped. But you guys have stopped a lot of threats. So where the heck are we here? It's it's the problem's getting worse. Two words: volume is going up, right? And complexity, speed, it's increasing. Okay. These guys are moving faster than ever. Yeah, but okay. So the bad guys, are, they're smart, and sometimes they're well funded, and they seem to be able to know exactly where the breach is. The Equifax, they knew where the weakness was. How are they probing all the time? What? How do they know? They're constantly probing and constantly testing. Like, you look at some of the big attacks we've seen this year, like right. WannaCry or NotPetya. Right. They're using those as a way to test where to go next. But if they see, sometimes I think, okay, you, ha- you have a house. You have houses on a block, okay? Right. Right. And one of them says ADP and, one, and the other one says nothing. I'm going to hit the one that has nothing. If they see right. McAfee, don't they go on to the next one? A lot of times they do that. They, and a lot of the, 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 the thing is run faster than the next guy if you're right. being chased by a bear. So, I mean, you have, what, 432 million total endpoints, 82 million corporate endpoints, 103,000 corporate customers? I mean, how do you cover all those guys? It's, it's, a, it's about going deep and it's about okay. going broad. We cover all those guys across their endpoints, across the cloud, and really trying to make them stronger and smarter in terms of how they bring all their security technology together. Okay, so we had VMware on earlier. Yep. And the first thing I thought was like, well, if you, you see VM, you guys are mortal enemies. That's not how it works in this business, right? Not at all. You need a bunch of different types of companies. You need the infrastructure guys. You need those of us who focus on cyber. Now, when I see, I'm going to mention something because everybody's talking about it. Bitcoin. I mean, you know, you're not protected. It's not your job to protect Bitcoin. But it, why can't that just be hacked repeatedly and people just steal billions in Bitcoin? Look, at the, at the foundation of Bitcoin is the blockchain. I actually right. think blockchain offers a lot of interesting uh, things that we could do with security. In okay. particular, um, it's, it's all crypto-based. So in particular, identity is something that blockchain could offer a lot of new 
A lot of new solutions around. But if I'm a bad guy, I want blockchain because no one knows who I am. And I, I hack and I make a secure transaction. And you won't know who I am. And I get away with billions. If you compromise identity, you can get away with a lot of things. Right. So the blockchain can't stop that. But it can actually make a, a solid ledger of the transactions that happen. All right, so but on my PC on a given day, there's going to be junk that I get. There's going to be like someone sent me something today, which says, you know, typically it's like, you know, if you my, your uncle left you a million dollars. I mean, how does that get to me? Why isn't that stopped? <laughs> <laughs> um, because you want the legitimate things to get to you, right? I mean, right. the most secure house is one you can't get into and out of. So you got to right. be able to use it. So in order for you to get things that matter, you're going to get some things that don't matter. All right. So do you ever uh, try to hack yourself? All like, have, do you have a bad? Do you have a bad guy group in the in McAfee we, who's just literally trying to go after each other all the time? Like, really? we actually we have guys who. Um, are constantly trying to penetrate our own organization right. and trying to, to expose our own vulnerabilities. It happens every day. Now, I know this is a sensitive question, but have you seen hacks where if you had been there and been hot and been hired, you were quite confident they would not have occurred? We come in at the end of a lot of a lot of data breaches. It happens all the time. It's part of our job. And there are a lot of good stories where we actually do stop attacks from happening, and we okay. do help organizations. Now, uh, we keep hearing that they, for the personal computer, they get in, they find things that you don't want known, and they give you a 1-800 number where you give them Bitcoin. I mm. mean, is that, I mean, how did we get to this point? Ransomware is one of the fastest growing attacks that we are seeing out but, there. Right but now. how do we stop it? I mean, can't we arrest any? Does anyone ever go to jail for doing this stuff? I think people do go to jail, but well, not we've enough. We've never seen one. Not enough. I tell you, it's, it, law enforcement's a big problem here. Well, so why isn't law enforcement hiring you to stop this stuff? Well, part of the problem is if we, we think about law enforcement in physical ways, like right. these guys attacking us could be sitting, you could have some high school kid in another country that's levying an attack on somebody here in the or, U.S. Or it could be North Korea could be anybody. Well, we've got to stop it. Well, I guess we just hire you and hopefully, you know, they go on to somebody else. We're, we're part of it. But I will tell you, one of the things that I, I talk about all the time that when I talk to other right. CEOs is you got to have a culture of security. It's got to matter. Ten years ago, if I would ask a CEO about cybersecurity, he might say, yeah, I got some guy in IT that's right, working right. on this. Now everybody cares. And I think that's going to make a big all difference. All right, that is because people start companies now. They have to worry about it. Yeah. Okay, that's Chris Young, CEO of McAfee, not publicly traded, although I kind of wish it would be because it sounds like they're doing something to stop this stuff. Man Money's back after the break. It is time. Time for the lightning round. Round one is Jason. Time for the lightning round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Let's start with Chris in California. Chris. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Uh, Under Armour's down 56 percent. I'm a boy. I think Under Armour. I think he's back. I think Pine's back to this game. I think he took his eye off the game, and now he's back. It's going to take a little while, but he. Uh, I think you can do it. Let's go to Wesley in West Virginia. Wesley. Hello, Billy. Do you, Mr. Kramer from West Virginia? Love it. I'm calling about EMB, Enbridge. I think that Enbridge, I think this whole group is about to move up with the price of West Texas being well under Brent, and that Enbridge is good to own with a 5.4% yield. Let's go to Bob in Iowa. Bob. Hello, Jim Cramer, Bob from Iowa, calling on Casey's General Stores. No, that was a bad quarter, and no two ways about it. I can't come up with a good thing to say, so I won't, because my grandmother always said, if you have nothing good to say, then don't say it. Let's go to Giuseppe in Louisiana. Giuseppe. 
Uh, Booyah, Jim, uh, long time viewer, first time caller. I was Excellent. calling to ask you about Puma Biotech. Okay, Puma is incredibly speculative, and the speculative stuff right now is going down. That's when you have to buy it rather than chasing it. Okay, so you're all right in this one for me. Let's go to Jason in California. Jason! Booyah, Jim, this is Jason San Francisco. How are you? Wow, I'm doing okay. How about you? Great, thanks for all the help over the years. I got a question on Lending Club. I bought in at the IPO at 20. It's down to four. I'm sitting on a massive loss. Buy more. No, don't buy more Lending Club. I mean, I wish Lending Club had never. They should take that Lending Club and wrap it up in a blue apron and throw it away. Wow, what a statement. Did he really say that? I think he said it. Let's go to Mike in Michigan. Mike! Kramer! Yeah! How about, how about 10 inches of Lake Fix? No booyahs from Michigan. All right, as long as it's Bitcoin free, I'm there. All right, Tractor Supply Company, what do I do with yeah, it? Yeah, we had them on. I thought they told a good story. It's down and out. A lot of stocks are down and out. I think they're going to rotate back into it. I'm okay with it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. This may come as a surprise, but there was a point in my young life when I was really down and out. No, I'm not talking about when I was robbed of everything I owned and ended up living in my car in L.A. This was even before that. I was working as a reporter in Tallahassee, a Tallahassee Democrat, and it, it was an unfortunate moment. I, I just wasn't making enough money. I had to beg to, for my parents. I told them it was real hard to live on 145 bucks a week. I needed their help. I asked them to send me money because I was struggling to pay my car bill, my $200 a month rent, my insurance, and gasoline at 74 cents a gallon. I just couldn't cover everything. So I was resorting to eating chicken livers and hearts, you know, the ones in those little plastic cases at the end of the aisle, or whatever I could catch in the Gulf, usually off of Fort Walton Beach, where there was a great pier where the Pompano were. I needed their help. I don't know, I'd done as good well at school. I, I thought I deserved their help. We had the discussion at a place called Jerry's. It was a real bad place that I thought was the best place in town because I was too poor to know any better. After we got in my parents' car, we drove south, and a Greyhound bus was going north. Many of you may not remember, but Greyhound always put the destination of the sign at the front of the bus. My mother pointed to the bus and said, look where it's going. It said, America. Then she told me, when you come back to America and get a real job with real money, this won't be a problem. I was furious. Not long after that, mind you, this was pre-ATM machine. I went to fill up my Ford Fairmont at an Amoco in North Georgia. I whipped out my Amoco card. It was denied. My father had cut me off without telling me. I had to get my late friend Robert Meacham to drive up, give me enough money to pay. But that's how it was. I just simply didn't have enough money to go around. I tell that story because this market has the same problem. On any given day, there's just not enough money to go around for everything to go up. Instead, things go up sporadically, and it often looks like for no reason. Take the stock of Verizon. On November 15th, Verizon was at 44. Today it's at 53. Do you know what happened to Verizon during that period? I'll tell you what happened. Nothing. Not a thing. Same thing goes for the stocks of utility. The market electric power. Con Ed. Up for no reason other than perhaps people perceive Maybe there's a lot of demand for electric cars. Ah, I don't know. How about the stock of Clorox? It just won't quit. But there's nothing fundamental behind these moves, at least at the moment. No earnings, no upgrades, no news, nada. 
It's just a rotation, plain and simple. And it's happening at the same time that people th are selling lots of their best performers because they know they have a chance to sell because next year they're going to have to sell their first lot. It's called FIFO, first in, first out, which likely has a very low cost basis. So think about it like this. Can you imagine having to sell your $20 NVIDIA, the one you bought $20 at $20, when you want to sell your $120 NVIDIA, right? It's terrible. It's enticing to sell now because you can pick that 120 lot. So we get selling in the big winners, and there's random buying of some stocks that don't have a lot of gains but do give you some dividends. But it's everywhere. Hey, retailers in apparel, particularly Macy's, which has been red hot, although it cooled today, people keep buying Nike. Not a lot of gains there. I think this market's like me, the pathetic me in Tallahassee. Send me more money, Mom, or I'm going to have to cut back on something. That's what's really going on. And the parents just aren't complying. Look, I could foment some explanation for every one of these moves. Sure, I could say that there's real substantive reasons why so many stocks are rallying, while others aren't. But at the end of the day, the market's short of money, plain and simple. And until we get some new cash in from the sidelines, there will be limitations on what can rally on any given day. So stick with Kramer. Remember, there's a lot of tax-motivated selling here where people are picking out high lots because they know starting next year it's first in, first out. And if they try to sell, they're going to get lots of tax on the low lot. Facebook at 20 versus Facebook at 120. Keep thinking like that, and you'll understand why there's such a sell-off in tech. Not a lot of profits in Verizon, so that one keeps going higher. Not to pick on Verizon. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.